welcome to the Daily Progressaholic Podcast, where we provide you with advice on how to progress through your self-development journey and fall in love with the process of improving yourself spiritually, mentally, and physically. Welcome to the Daily Progressaholic Podcast. And guys, today we have with us someone who personally I have really high regards for. Uh, we have Nick Gibson with us. Now, Nick is a social entrepreneur, speaker, coach, and a change agent. Until 2017, Nick worked in consulting. And although he will be the first to point out how much he learned from his previous work in consulting and university student government, these experiences revealed to him that there were bigger problems in the world that he was not adequately addressing in his day job. Now, this tension forced him to make a change and helped him found Our Better Selves, a venture focused on unleashing a vibrant, empowered, and thriving community of change agents focused on solving critical problems facing our society today. He works directly with change agents, organizations looking to create better workplace culture for change agents and partners who can serve change agents in various capacities. So it is my pleasure to have Nick Gibson today with us. Thanks, Nick, for taking the time out to be here. Absolutely. I'm a pleasure to be here. Thanks for making the time. Definitely, definitely. And Nick, so let's just start off uh, with a little more about your background and sort of where you're from leading up to where you are right now. Yeah, sure. So, uh, as this, I mean, the intro was a was a pretty good synopsis in terms of sort of professional background. But you know, I think for me, uh, I often reflect upon um, you know my my trajectory from growing up in a rural area in in, uh, in Ontario near Wasaga Beach, Ontario. For those of you who might uh, might know where that is, uh, I grew up there. Then went to school in Waterloo at Wilfrid Laurier University. Uh, went and did political science, and then found myself in the in the big city in Toronto when I started my consulting job at Nielsen, as you were talking about earlier. And I've been in Toronto ever since. So I've had that sort of rural to suburban yeah. to sort of city to you know big city life, and and uh, you know for me that. As I've realized over the last few years, it's definitely shaped my experience and how I kind of look at the world. And increasingly, I think it's an important view to, you know, look at the differences between those in, in sort of rural life, suburban life, and, and urban life. And, and uh, it's among the many things that I think about when I think about social impact and trying to change the world. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's, that's pretty cool. Like, what would you say, like, one thing maybe that you miss about uh, sort of like the rural or like the more small town life? Yeah, it's... Um, it, you know, it's one of those things where um, it's not really necessarily that I miss anything per se, because that would mean that I, I want to, you know, switch it yeah. uh, from, from where I'm right now, right? Like, I do really enjoy living where I am, and, and I love Toronto. I kind of, I think I have a cosmopolitan kind of general outlook. Uh, but at the same time, I, when I get home, it's sort of the ability to kind of shut out to the world, to be honest, right? It's yeah. one of those opportunities to, you know, say to all the work that I have and disconnect a little bit. And, and sometimes uh, in the past it was literally because we only still had dial up internet up until about uh, five or six years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and so you literally had to disconnect in some ways, uh, but also just, you know, the, how quiet it is 
you know, even in a city where I am right now, and if I'm not on a main street, but I'm pretty close to, to, uh, you know, one of the busiest streets in, in, in Canada, let alone potentially even the world, Young Street in Toronto. Yeah. It's one of those places, uh, back home that is, you know, diametrically opposite, uh, in terms of how loud it is and stuff like that. So sometimes you don't even notice the contrast until you go home. So it's just, I think it's just a general sort of calm and peace that, that comes from being at home. And it sounds cliche, but that's certainly a, a, an important part. It also is a, it's a very direct separation between sort of like my, what I'm doing day to day and, um, you know, getting home and being able to spend time with family and doing things that are, you know, some of the most important things in life is making sure that you make time for the people that you love. And, uh, I think that separation certainly is, is helpful in that context. So there's a lot of great things about being at home, but there's also a lot of great things about being in the city. And frankly, you know, when I look back at my experience back home, I didn't really have many of the opportunities, uh, to, uh, from a resource perspective, I went to a pretty small and, and pretty, uh, you know, run down high school, even though it was a great experience in many ways, it didn't have a lot of those things. And also I didn't really have the exposure to a lot of people from different backgrounds and, and stuff like that, which I've had, uh, once I've moved to Toronto and even when in university. So, um, I've taken a lot from all, all kind of those aspects of my life. So I, so I appreciate each, each one of them. That's amazing. It's amazing. I love the idea of appreciating every single sort of scenario that you're sort of put into, um, no matter where you are. And so that leads me to asking you, um, so you were in, so you graduated from Laurier, um, you went into consulting, um, and then you decided to leave your consulting job to sort of start your own venture. Now people might say that the consulting job is a lot more safer. So sort of what was that, like what were some of the emotions that were going through that moment and sort of like what, like, push you to take that leap? Well, yeah, I mean, at the end, the short answer to that question is that it is safer, right? Yeah. It is safer on a, on a very narrow, on narrow, very narrow sense, right? That you're getting a paycheck every other week. Um, but it's not safer on other levels. It's not safer if you want to create a life of meaning. It's not necessarily safer if you want to create a life of impact. It's not necessarily yeah. safer if you, you know, want to do something that is a little bit more innovative and creative. Right, so it's not necessarily safe on on different levels, but financially, it is it is certainly at a short term and medium term level, it is it is safer. Uh, so yeah. it did take me a while. I'm a pretty risk averse person, to to be honest. Like I'm not, I don't fit the classic entrepreneurial, you know, risk taking person. I, first of all, I think that is a is a little bit of a trope that is overplayed. Um, but also, um, I don't see myself as as um, much of a risk taker in general. I take a lot of time to think through things and, and sometimes even find myself not taking enough risks or it takes yeah. me too long to kind of get there. So I eventually did. I When I left my job in 2017, it was after sort of almost two full years of thinking through the implications and, and various things. I didn't think in 2015 necessarily I wanted to leave right away, but I had a pretty clear idea that I wasn't going to stay at Nielsen where I worked uh, for much longer. I just didn't know what, yeah. that, what that meant. So I'd say three things happened, three things. So number one, I felt like my personal development uh, was not uh, being adequately uh, driven and, and yeah. I wasn't growing enough uh, in that role. I felt like I wasn't able to do much for the world, so to speak. So I asked myself the question, the kind of Pollyannish question, as I like to say, you know, what am I doing for the world today? I had an yeah. increasingly harder time every single day answering that question. So that tension built up. And finally, kind of related to what I was saying earlier, um, I realized what was the most important in life. And so there's a number of different sort of personal challenges and health challenges in my family that, you know, really made me focus on what's most important in life. And so those three things put together created enough tension in my life to realize that 
actually, this is more important than, than this risk aversion and, and ended up leaving in summer of 2017. Uh, it took a few months to do a very kind of classic millennial finding my finding myself sort of journey, uh, even though I'd done a lot of that work before, but did even more deeper and intense work in the months uh, following that. And then finally launched Our Better Selves, uh, the first iteration at least of Our Better Selves in fall of 2017. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. And sort of you know, the three things that sort of shaped your decision and that to sort of take that leap, um, what would be to sort of learning from those three things, what would be your advice to someone um, who's sort of scared to take that leap into the unknown? Because I know there's a lot of people uh, where they may have an idea or they may be asking, what can I do for the world? But they're stuck somewhere. They might be stuck in a job, but they feel like they're not having as much of an impact. So what would sort of be your advice to people sort of in that bracket? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think it's, you know, it's very contextual to everyone's uh, particular sort of situation. But here's some general things I at least think about. Uh, so number one, uh, I actually made a post about this on, on LinkedIn um, the other day. Entrepreneurship is not, not that sexy, right? So we have this idea that entrepreneurship is this, you know, uh, it's all about freedom. It's all about being your own boss. It's all about, you know, making all this money and all these types of things. And I think most people realize that it's not quite like that, yeah. but they still think that it, it's closer than that than not, right? And I want, I want to emphasize the fact that it is not... Uh, like that. And in fact, the, the statistics are quite clear that entrepreneurs in general, there are more failures in entrepreneurship than there are, um, you know, quote unquote successes, right? And there's a lot of survivorship bias in, in sort of the narratives around entrepreneurship. This is not to say that those of you who are listening should not get into entrepreneurship. It might be the right thing for you. It might be a great thing in terms of a learning opportunity. So there's a lot of sort of contextual things we should think about, but also just make sure you're going in with a level head, right? Yeah. So with that in mind, what I would encourage people to do is think about their personal sort of values, right? So what is it that I actually need in my life? And one thing that kind of comes out of that is the notion of what do I actually need from a financial perspective? What do I actually need in terms of all the things that I'm buying, right? So yeah. cutting back and making a very, very lean uh, burn rate, personal burn rate, right? Uh, there's a lot of talk about burn rates with respect to sort of business budgets month to month, but what is your personal burn rate? And trying to get that as low as you possibly can within reason so that when you leave the, the, your, your job, you're in a place where you can actually survive on that and hopefully you've saved a little bit of money in advance because you've done all that sort of cost cutting before you left. So it's some pr very practical advice around finances. Um, also, be okay with getting sort of a part-time job. Um, you know, don't have your ego in it. Go, go ahead and get a job at like a Starbucks or whatever it is just to kind of chip away at some of your bills. Um, yeah. Ego, I think, is, is kind of the enemy in this journey. If you don't allow yourself to kind of try these different things out and to you know, pull back, it's going to be much, difficult, much more difficult. Um, and the name of the game in entrepreneurship is to survive as long as you can so that you can get to the point of, of uh, taking off, right? It's the old... It's the old runway metaphor of a plane, right? So it's sometimes you're you're going down that runway, going down that runway, and maybe it's a runway um, that is going off a cliff, right, at the very end. But you kind of keep on adding more and more to that runway so that you can make sure the plane eventually gets off the ground. So you, finances are a big part of that. Uh, so I think being very pragmatic around your finances, being yeah. very focused on the values that drive you, yeah. um, and that will obviously inform your finances, and also being very level-headed as to what entrepreneurship is all about uh, and what, what is actually involved, and whether you actually need to do it, right? Because sometimes there might be people who just want to be innovative and creative, yeah. um, but they can be entrepreneurs, 
right? Yeah. So folks who are creative and innovators within companies, but maybe just not at the company you're at. So there's a lot of different options. So I just want people to really think through all those different options before they take any sort of quick decisions because the grass always seems green on the other side, but you realize that sometimes that was just a really false illusion. Yeah, it does. Thank you for putting that in the, like you, you put it, you put it together beautifully, the whole idea of entrepreneurship and sort of segueing of that. I sort of want to maybe dive a little bit deeper into your journey. So with entrepreneurship, so sort of where did the idea of our better selves um, come from? So, I, I, you know, it's, it's off. Oftentimes we, we kind of create this rev- revisionist history around some uh, of these ideas and where they iterated from and stuff like that. But in general, my, my understanding of where this came from was largely from um, my interest in personal development okay. and my, my sort of background in that. So I was, you know, I'm very intensely focused on, you know, making myself better all the time and doing various sort of personal development things to, to get myself there. And in, along that journey, I've also been on the other side of it, being a facilitator, being a coach and doing it on a pro bono basis for a while. And I did that alongside my job for a long time. And yeah. so I, I kind of had this intuition that personal development needed to be part of that next steps uh, for my journey. And so when I launched Our Better Selves in fall of 2017, originally it was all about personal development. It was about trying to create um, a more 360-degree rounded version of personal development that says, like, don't just do one, one of these things and take one of these um, approaches and tools. Let's think about your particular context and take a, a more broader perspective, right? So think of the position I was trying to, to think about myself in that, at that time was this guy called, uh, a position called sort of a personal strategist. So yeah. think, of, think of the role as sort of almost like your general practitioner or your family doctor, right? So when you go to your family doctor, they're kind of triaging a number of different things that you could be uh, being faced on from a physical health perspective, right? And so in like manner, what I was trying to do at the time I was trying to create uh, a personal development practice, which did the same thing, which did, did the work of curating, did the work of finding the right expertise on behalf of my clients. Yeah. What I realized though, is that while I thought it was value-add, and I still think it's value-add in, in many ways, the audience I was trying to serve, and this is a very classic entrepreneurial challenge, which uh, I knew going into it, but still fell into it. So it's a difficult thing to do sometimes. Uh, I tried to serve everyone. And that's a really, really bad way of doing entrepreneurship. And so it took me a while to realize it. It took me a while to get out of that scarcity mindset. But eventually, um, I pivoted into what I knew pretty much from the very beginning. Um, I knew who I wanted to serve, and that was change agents, those who are focused on social impact, those who are uh, see service to others, those who see impact has very important values to them and they want to go out and solve these uh, important challenges of the world, whether it's poverty or climate change or you know, discrimination or whatever it is, whatever things that you are passionate about that are affecting people in their everyday lives. Um, those are the people I wanted to serve because yeah. I saw my change agent journey as the ability to sort of say, you know what? I am passionate about climate change. I am passionate about all these different things, but I'm not an expert in all, in all these different things. I can't possibly be an expert in all these different things. So how can I uniquely contribute to this? Yeah. Well, given my background, given my experience, given my interests and passions, I'm like, you know what? I, the capacity for change uh, and social impact and particularly supporting folks who may not necessarily want to become entrepreneurs or social entrepreneurs, or maybe not just not right now, right? They want to yeah. be change agents in their everyday lives in jobs that they have every day. So social entrepreneurs, if you will, and 
I think there was a there's a huge opportunity to serve people who are already motivated to do social impact but aren't being served right now. And so that's kind of what I've task myself to do with our better selves to serve those change agents in a way that allows them uh, who are already motivated to have the tools, the people around them and the opportunities to go out and make a social impact in the world. Cause that will eventually and ultimately allow us to solve the, solve the yeah. biggest challenges that we face in the world. hundred percent. And I love the idea of change agents. And I think our listeners are going to benefit um, incredibly from this, from, from, from this idea. So let's dive a little bit deeper into that. So sort of how, how important or sort of you could say that change agents for the progress of society as a whole. How important are changes in the progress of society as a whole? I think, I, I mean, I'm biased, obviously, yeah. uh, but I mean, fundamental, right? So here's, here's how I look at it. So let's use, let's use the issue of climate change. So I'm, I'm sure many of your listeners um, and, you know, you and I will see the, the importance of climate change as an issue and, you know, uh, the, the, robust evidence that is behind um, it as, as an issue itself. But also, it's important to realize that there are a lot of folks who don't see this as an issue, right? Yeah. And we might just call them deniers, we might just call them skeptics or whatever words we want to throw against them. But ultimately, they are people who are blocking um, our ability to make change, right? Yeah. And why are they blocking the, the ability to make change? Well, most of them are scared. They're, they they have lack of trust for the people who are talking about these issues, particularly the, those who are in positions of power, right? Trust is eroded in society. And yeah. climate change and the debate around climate change is a great example of how trust and the lack of it, the lack of social capital, as if any political science nerds out there, um, you know, social capital is just this, you know, fancy word for trust. Yeah. The lack of social capital is blocking us from solving so many different challenges. Climate change is just one of them, but it's a really, it's a really acute one because it's, you can see all the debate around it. When, you know, when you put reasonable people in the room, um, I think we can find solutions to this, right? It's a difficult problem uh, on a number of different levels, but it's become more difficult because we don't have trust between the people who are trying to communicate on one side and the people who don't quite get it or are scared or are fearful on the other. And then there's folks who want to step into that step into that uh, particular situation and profit, frankly, yeah. on this, this opportunity to create division, right? And so we have this weird set of incentives and structures in our society where there are folks who literally profit on creating division, yeah. Right? On purposeful division, not, not division in the sense of like, I want to try to put out an idea out there that is, that is countervailing and, and uh, might change the narrative in a positive way, right? We need people to kind of shake, shake the status quo a little bit. That's fine. But people who are purposely and intentionally trying to just poison the well, yeah. right? There's a difference between poisoning the well and trying to be a sort of a contrarian, right? Um, and I think there's a lot of people trying to poison the well. So that is important in the context of change agents for this reason. Because when I think of a change agent, I think of people who have opinions, they have experiences, they have stories, yeah. um, and they are willing to share them, right? They have, they have a lot of uh, thoughts and opinions on things in the world, and they have a variety of different opinions, whether it's you know, politically, right, left, whatever, or it's on different, on different things, on sports teams, I don't care what it is, right? They have yeah. different opinions, and they're willing to share them. But the change agents I want to serve are those who are focused mostly on fr- finding solutions to the most important problems that we face. Right. And one of the important abilities to do that is to be a bridge builder, is to be someone who builds trust between 
um, different people and build these relationships of trust that allow for difficult issues uh, to be understood and to be heard from people who would otherwise be fearful, would be skeptical, uh, or would be um, rejecting these things, right? So fundamentally, uh, the importance of change agents from a macro level are yeah. folks who are catalyzing not only the change in their particular area of passion and focus and expertise, but also folks who rebuild trust and thus the capacity for change and social impact over time. So it's hard work, and we got to roll up our sleeves to do it. Um, and you know, not everyone's up to for do, taking this this thing on. And I'm not saying that everyone should be, but we need a lot more people to do it. And, and I'm hoping that our better selves can be a catalyst for that um, social capital be rebuilding that fabric of society, rebuilding that trust, rebuilding that will allow us to make the big changes that we need to do. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And sort of leading off that, I think like one thing that was pretty interesting. Like, do you think that chain agents are sort of, I wouldn't say born or made, but sort of. Do they have sort of innate qualities from a young age that are dominant within their personality that stick? Or is it like you think that you could work with someone who, in, who you, you as you said, maybe poisoning the well, but you might be able to change them and take change agent rebuilds trust? Because I remember one of your LinkedIn articles, you were like, you said that change agents are these seemingly ordinary folks who are capable of extraordinary things. That was something that I found yeah. was pretty interesting. Yeah. So, no, it's a great question. And I often wonder to myself, like, how much energy should I be putting into convincing people to be change agents, Yeah. right? Uh, versus trying to find people who already are and giving them the, the tools and the resources and the support to do their change agent work even better than they did before, right? So, where I'm landed right now is on the ladder, is, is focusing on the folks who are already there but need the support, right? So I think that's kind of a pragmatic decision from my sort of business perspective. It's also one that I think it's about timelines, right? How do we, you know, get moving on some of these in, incredibly important challenges that we, that we face? Um, but in principle, my philosophy is that um, most people, I believe, with, with support and work and, and you know, um, a lot of emotional labor, frankly, can become change agents. It's a values question. And I think values often are shaped and uh, instilled in early life experiences from our parents, from our families, from our where we grew up and all these different things. But values can also be shaped over time. It can be influenced over time. It can evolve over time, can radically evolve sometimes over time. So I will never say that that people cannot become change agents. It just might be a pragmatic thing for me to say, you might not be there right now. So I like to think about change agents and our better selves in general as an aspirational community, right? So it's exclusive insofar as only some people are change agents right now. But yeah. it's aspirational in that it's not exclusive. It's, it, it's not a closed door uh, to certain people for the rest of their lives. It's always aspirational. And, and frankly, it's aspirational for me too. I always got to need to get better. I'm going to set the standard and I need to always become better myself. So in creating an aspirational us, we can create identity. We can create, you know, a movement around a certain set of values, including service and impact. Um, but we also don't need to create a divisional them, as I would say. So this idea of us and them, we can create an aspirational us, but you want to create a divisional them that says like those people are the problem yeah. or these people are the problem. Like that's not what our better selves is all about. It's not ignoring the fact that there are people out there who are not contributing to, to, to put yeah. it lightly, that are not contributing to the, our ability to make good progress. Uh, but there's a, often a reason for all of that. 
Um, there's a reason why people act the way they do, they have the values the way they do. Everyone has a story. And yeah. we need to do the work, the hard work of bringing people along with us. And sometimes it's going to be harder with some people than others. And sometimes it's, it's not worth it in a pragmatic sense to, to work on some people, right? I use the example oftentimes that, you know, a, a person of color should never be obligated to try to convert, so to speak, a white supremacist, right? Yeah. Um, that's an extreme example. But there are people who do that, right? And I think that's in such incredible work that we should be applauding and that we should be, um, you know, exalting and amplifying, right? But again, we don't need to expect uh, people to do that type of work. It's very, very difficult and oftentimes very dangerous. Yeah. Um, but it just, I bring that example up to just emphasize the fact that it is possible, right? It is doable. Uh, it just means that we just have to be thoughtful around, you know, how do we, you know, how do we best deploy our limited resources, right? Time, yeah. energy, and money uh, to go forward with this uh, change capacity and social impact capacity making. And, and uh, so sometimes folks who might be a little bit further out from that aspirational set of values um, might be something that I work on in, in a few years from now, rather than, than necessarily uh, people I focus on in the, in the coming months. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I like to hear you brought up part of the idea of, so there's the internal, so there's, you work on your, so for example, you can work with people working on their internal self. Um, and that's working with change agents, um, working on their internal processes, making sure that the mindset's in the right place and all that, all that stuff, or sort of you can work on the external where you're making the economic progress and social progress and society's progress. Um, what would you, like, how does one know that as a change agent, maybe I should be focusing on helping people out with the internal or the external? You mean in terms of the um, opportunities to do personal development versus yeah. Yeah. Uh, doing actual kind of social impact work? Exactly. Yeah, so exactly. It, it's, um, it's a great question. I would say that it, it's kind of like you're, you're kind of having to do both at the same time, right? The yeah. question really is for me, uh, when I think about what I'm doing with our better selves, and I'll, I'll frame it this way uh, in terms of answering your question, it, it depends kind of where people are, right? There are some people who feel quite comfortable with what they're doing on a personal development level. And so engaging them with social impact opportunities is probably where I want to engage them, right? Yeah. Whereas for other people, they might be doing a lot of volunteering work or you know social impact related work, whatever that might be. But they feel like they just haven't had opportunities or time or haven't curated the right resources to do personal development work, right? So it, it really kind of depends on, on where individuals are in their, in their particular change agent journeys. And we kind of try to meet them where they are in, the, in that context. Um, there's, also, there's also a big part of it, though, too. And, and this is sort of the part that connects those two things. It is connecting in a community environment with folks who share your values and thus can perpetuate your growth and your values activation and the social impact opportunities that you want to get involved with and the life yeah. that you want to create around social impact. Right. And so, you know, again, the, the focus for social impact with our better selves is saying, yes, personal development is important. Yes. Creating impact opportunities is important, but doing it in a community mindset in a, in a community atmosphere surrounded with people who share your values are not the same people, right? I want to be very clear about that. It's people who share your values, but in every other way are different. And so yeah. that builds enough cohesion and trust between people that they can create identity and create meaning between each other and create relationships. 
but also enough difference where you can learn from each other. You can, they can hear about different stories and backgrounds and become a more rounded and grounded and learned, frankly, person. So that community thing is, frankly, the most important part. And that actually marries the personal development and social impact part because it puts it in a context where you're being forced um, yeah. in, a, in, a, in a positive way to live a life um, that is in alignment with the values that you've aspired from the very beginning. Yeah, 100%. And would that sort of be to the community mindset, would that have been maybe one of the inspirations why you decided to start the, the Impact Dinners? That's exactly it. And so that's exactly it. So, so the impact dinners, the changing dinners, as I'm, as I'm calling them um, from here on in, are really about doing all three of those things. A little yeah. bit of personal development, a little bit of um, social impact work, but also within a community context, right? Sh- carefully curating the events, being very intentional about who I invite. Yeah. Uh, not to say that, again, somebody might not be a great attendee in the future, but they might not necessarily be a great attendee right now for, for various reasons. Sometimes it's just pragmatic because I'm like, oh, because we have a particular social uh, enterprise that we're bringing in as our, our case study, because we do pro bono consulting as part of the, as part of the dinner, yeah. uh, I might want to have a certain uh, group of people who have a specific set of skills uh, to give to uh, and to support with for the social enterprises as in addition to sort of those with other um, mixes of skills. So sometimes it's more of a pragmatic thing, but overall it's very, it's very important to me that I curate on, on these uh, various factors so that people in the room are getting a lot of value and, and getting a lot of great experiences from it. So um, the change in dinner is, is a crucial part of our community focus right now. And we'll, we'll have some more in the coming months around, you know, doing taking that even t- to a more impactful and deeper and and uh, broader level. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, yeah, that's great to see the sort of the impact that you're having with the change agents dinners and uh, uh, with our better sums. And I sort of want to segue from this into some of the maybe the past experiences that you've been through. That um, that, for example, there's one experience that I got to. Uh, watched your speaker slam video you spoke at speaker slam and i genuinely loved that speech of yours which is why i wanted to bring it up um in the podcast um and you spoke about the random act of kindness uh, from uh, some of the dinner with Hamoon. I, I hope i'm saying it right yeah uh, yeah. yeah and I remember you clearly said this one thing in the video and I had to pause it at that moment and take it down. But you said, because it was, it was like, I felt it was, it was incredible the way you put it, where it was like how gratitude opens us up to service of others and service of others opens us up to solving the biggest challenges that we face. So could you elaborate a little bit more on that experience? Cause I think our listeners have gained immense value from it. Yeah, and so uh, just for those of you who, who don't know much about Speaker Slam, um, it, it was run by and it is run by uh, two fantastic people, uh, Rena and Dan. You can find them on LinkedIn. You can find them on Facebook. Um, they're doing some amazing things. Speakerslam.ca, definitely check them out. Uh, I had the opportunity to speak on their stage uh, last September, and it was uh, around the theme of gratitude, hence uh, the quote that you that you talked about. And so the story, uh, in short, uh, I was attending uh, a workshop uh, last January, so just over a year ago, and I was in a pretty low spot, frankly, as an entrepreneur. It goes back to what I was talking about earlier around the difficulties of being an entrepreneur. And so I spent uh, a significant amount of money on an already overused and abused credit card, as I said in the speech, and I 
felt like I was kind of going all in. I was, I was not quite all in, but I was taking a pretty big risk uh, financially. And I wasn't quite sure this, that this was going to necessarily work out. And so day one of the workshop, this two-day workshop, uh, was going relatively well. There's a lot of really successful people in the room. And, but by t- towards the end, I was you know, like, you know what? These people are, are above, my, above my pay grade, above my level. And uh, let me just try to be a sponge. Let me try to soak up as much as I can. But I was kind of vulnerable in that moment. I didn't really know it, but I was kind of vulnerable in that moment. And shortly through, toward the end of the day, the lead of the workshop, who is a fantastic guy and, and really yeah. doing some really great things himself. He called me by the wrong name. And that sounds like the simplest of things, right? It doesn't seem like anything, right? It's like, Oh, yeah. call you by the wrong name. Like, you know, get over it. Right. But just because of where my head was at in that moment, I felt like, Oh, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not one of them. Right. Yeah. I'm not one of the successful people that he knows the name of. Right. And so I was in a pretty, low spot at the end of the day. I kind of was like that last little push I needed to, to go down in this sort of cascading, you know, thought patterns and ruminations that I was having. But I was forced to, as part of this workshop, I was forced to host a dinner. So that was kind of part of the idea is, is really about relationships and building relationships and stuff like that. And so one of the activities was to host our own uh, dinner. And so I got home from the workshop and I had a headache and I'm just like, I'm just going to lie down for a few minutes and Hopefully I can make it through. Uh, and I've made my way to the workshop. I made my way to the dinner, I should say. And uh, it was a really cold day. And it was just, all, you know, it was just almost like a cartoon. Like it couldn't have been written up this way, right? It was freezing yeah. outside. And, you know, I put on, uh, for those of you who know this song, it's, a, you know, back in the sort of 70s and 80s kind of song, but Final Countdown by, by Europe. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> I put it on, it's kind of my pump up song, um, which, uh, which kind of finds funny, but it put me in my kind of performance mode. And I made myself, to, got myself to dinner. I had three people show up. One person who, who had to cancel just a few minutes before. Um, and I was like, just exhausted, like just mentally, emotionally exhausted. Yeah. But here's where the gratitude comes in, right? I was just in a low spot, but somebody, all three of the people at the table, but particularly Hamoon, um, basically took me in that moment and sort of pivoted the whole conversation to talk about me. And I didn't, I didn't intend it to be that way. I wanted to kind of have a collaborative conversation around, you know, the great things that they're working on because all three of these people uh, are, you know, fantastic people in their own right and doing some great things, but yeah. they all pivoted on with Hamoon's lead towards talking about me and what I could work, be working on and how they can help. And it was just such a energy lifter, right? It just was so generous, but it didn't stop there. So the end of the dinner came and, you know, we were saying our goodbyes and Hamoon had to, had to leave cause he had another thing to go to. So he had to step yeah. out a bit quicker. And so I go to pay right after and the waitress says, Oh, it's already been paid for. And I'm <laughs> wow. like, what? I'm like, what? And she's like, oh, it was, it was him. And then she points to the door, but, and, and no word of a lie. Just like Batman, as if the door like had just closed, a little bit of snow kind of coming in, like he left into the night, right? And it was just like, I just kind of stood there for a moment and I was just stunned. I was just like, how is this happening? Yeah. Like, how am I, how do I deserve this, right? Yeah. And so, 
you know, it, later on, he also offered me uh, a part-time job to help me pay for some bills and, and do work on some of the great things he was working on as well. So he was just so incredibly generous as well as the other folks in the dinner. And it, I say all that for context, right? I, I know it's a little bit of a long story, but I say that for context because it shows that sometimes when people can be at their lowest point, right? Or seemingly at their lowest point in their head, we can create these big narratives and stories in our head that can put us in such deep, dark, almost depression-like states, even if they're relatively short stints of it. Um, people who show their dignity, show their humanity, and, and are willing to be of service to other people can, with the simplest of acts, allow other people to come out of their depths, to move out of the darkness, right? Uh, and in that moment, I got service from Hamoon, right? Yeah. And he showed me the dignity of, of his humanity. He showed me that I can um, do some great things, right? And that he gave me the energy to sort of say, yeah, you're, what you're doing is great. You have a lot of work in front of you, but you know you can do that. Um, I'm going to give you a hand because I know you need a hand right now. Um, and here's how I'm going to do it. He didn't need to do that. He could have just attended the event, attended the dinner, been you know helpful the dinner, uh, and left. That still would have been valuable, but he, he went one step forward. And so it is incredibly difficult when someone is in a really, really low spot it is by definition impossible to serve others when you are in your own depths. Yeah. And so gratitude to me is the way to slowly, but surely get yourself out of those depths. Right. Again, I'm not speaking to, you know, clinical challenges around depression and stuff like that. Um, you know, I, highly encourage people to use counselors and therapists and stuff like that too as part of this. But a big part of that equation is using gratitude to understand what we have in our lives and what is important in life. Because from a position of gratitude, you can then think about how do you serve others? How do you help others who might need that help just like I did in that moment, right? Or the person that you see on the street who is struggling uh, to feed their family or to have a, a place that is safe to, to go home to, Right. Only from gratitude can you put yourself in a position of service and only from a position of service can you go out and solve and do the gritty hard work that is required to solve the most important challenges that we face in the world, or at least alleviate some of the most important challenges that we face in the world. And so that was a small example of how that manifested for me. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a critical principle when we think about trying to become that change agent is that it starts with gratitude and moves to service and then it moves on to the most important challenges that we face in the world. Thank you so much for that. I think that was, uh, I mean, I've lost for words, but uh, that was beautiful. Um, so sort of leading of that, like, would you say, like, honestly, that when you're sort of in the service of others, is that probably the happiest? Is that when you're probably the happiest, you'd say? Yeah, I know it sounds cliche, yeah. but it's it's true. Like the the evidence, if you want to get scientific about it, the evidence is quite clear. It's, for those of you who are interested in psychology, I would I would encourage your listeners to look up uh, or dig into positive psychology, which is literally the study of human flourishing. Yeah. And you know, gratitude and service are critical elements of 
creating meaning in your life, creating an identity in your life. And those are two fundamental you know, tenets and foundations to create a life of flourishing. Um, so even if you are doing it for selfish reasons, quote unquote, um, service and gratitude are critical to, to create meaning in life and create a, a flourishing life. But eventually I find even if you have a position of doing service and being grateful, um, I think it'll, it'll grow on you. It'll just become you. And so I encourage people even before they are grateful, even before they feel like they want to serve, just to go, just do it, do something simple. And it is the most meaningful way of, of helping people too. Like sometimes we get caught up in, you know, the holiday seasons or birthdays, giving people gifts. Right. And I think what I've realized over the coming over the last few years is that it's increasingly difficult to find uh, a good gift to give, you know, family and, and friends. But what I do try to do is try to find them when they are in a vulnerable position, in a tough situation, when they need me the most. Yeah. And that's when I try to help them. Right. Yeah. Yes. I get them gifts. I don't, you know, skip out on that one. Right. Yeah. Um, but I do try to find them when they need, when they need me. Right. So I might not necessarily see them every day. In fact, I don't see most of my friends every day, obviously, like most of us, but I try my best to be there when they need me, whether it's on a phone call, whether it's, you know, if they're entrepreneurs, introducing them to people, like yeah. it, it comes in different shapes and sizes, but service is the ability not only to match and create flourishing for other people, it's the ability to create flourishing for yourself. So service is yeah. the key to that. Gratitude is how you get there. A hundred percent. And I think like personally, I've seen one thing for me, at least that um, when I'm, sort of like if like I'll give you like a general example if I'm able to connect someone with someone else and that benefits both parties and somebody or the other and they're both sort of lead closer towards their goals and vision like there isn't anything else that makes me more happier I don't know personally I've just seen that with myself as well well absolutely and, and again like I I sometimes encourage people there's, there's a lot of different ways to get into social impact. There's a lot of different ways to get into a service orientation in your life. Uh, sometimes you can do it from a slightly less altruistic um, way, right? Which might be that you introduce people and you connect people uh, because you think that it'll be a benefit to you. Because they'll think, oh, like, you know, Nick connected me with uh, this other person and it was really valuable. And now I have Nick in higher esteem and that is actually the case oftentimes, right? So there's, there are those benefits that come out of it. But I think what you'll discover that is most important and you know, you obviously have experienced this given your example, the thing that you actually enjoy and relish in over time is the actual feeling of helping people, not yeah. just the benefits that come out of it, right? But that is where we can create meaningful change and, and social impact over time is when we, when we align the flourishing of other people yeah. with the flourishing of ourselves. And I think service from a position of gratitude is that sort of philosophical foundational underpinning that allows us to get to that point. Perfection is not for this world, but gratitude um, and service is, is a way that we can get closer and closer to that sort of sense of a bit, the better world that we see. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. That was beautifully put. So thank you so much for that. And I know we're sort of running out of time. We're on a time constraint. So I want to end it off by asking finally, what would be your advice um, to someone who is young, maybe between the ages of 20 
30, we'll say, and sort of wants to make a positive difference in the world, but is sort of like completely clueless as to how to do that. Again, it's one of those things that, that I would give advice that is kind of contextual to their particular situation. Yeah. But here, here's something that, that I would recommend is do the deep work yourself. Right. Do the deep work on, you know, you talked about personal development, where should you start social impact or personal development? I'd say that for most people, we should be starting with the personal development in general, uh, because there's always room to grow on, on that front. There's always, I have room to grow, you know, you have room to grow, everyone has room to grow. But in particular, it's understanding what do I actually value in life? What are my values? What is What are those core things that, you know, I filter my life that I see in front of myself every day? And sometimes these values are things that, um, are really important to you, but they're not actually being activated in your life, right? They're not actually coming through in your behavior and your actions and the way you conduct yourself. And so the deep work to understand your value, what drives you, what is most important to you, uh, that is the most fundamental work to be done as a change agent, knowing your values and, and obviously continuing to understand them and activate them over time. It's a lifelong journey, but that deep work upfront is critical uh, to do that, do that type of work, because when you see the sort of traditional entrepreneurial world or the business world in general, a lot of the reasons why you see um, these incredibly negative, we'll call it negative outcomes in various uh, sectors mm-hmm. and situations, it's because folks get too caught up in values that aren't so aligned with either what they profess to be their values or they got so caught up in in a life that is um frankly a bad set of values yeah. right that, that doesn't that doesn't allow uh and, and align with their flourishing and and most importantly human flourishing more broadly so without doing that work though it's sometimes hard to, to realize in, in any given moment what allows us to flourish and so doing that deep work is the place that I would encourage every single person to start. Um, you know, by all means, I, I'd love to help anyone um, along those lines. But like, there's a there's a there's a variety of different tools, you yeah. know, structures and stuff like that. I mean, even things as simple as journaling it doesn't have to be daily, right? Uh, mindfulness training, like all there's a lot of different ways to get into it, and everyone's going to have their own sort of entrance to this type of work. Um, but ultimately, the the end goal in this first sort of phase of things has to be around doing the deep work around your values. 100%, 100%. So Nick, thank you, thank you so much for taking out the time. Uh, this conversation, like I am like 150% sure that every single one of our listeners is going to take immense value out of this conversation. And uh, hopefully, if they are a change agent, go and implement that change and make that difference. And if they're not, move towards that direction. Um, so just sort of to wrap it up, could you please tell our listeners uh, where they could reach you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, let me first say, Devish, like, I really appreciate you uh, creating this platform, right? This is something that uh, as someone at your age, like it's, it's hard to, you know, create something for yourself. It's hard to you know do the hard work that is required to do these types of things at any age, frankly. But when you still have a lot of stuff on your plate from school and all that sort of stuff, it's, um, it's quite remarkable. So good for you and, and keep up the great work and let me know if there's any ways that I can be supportive uh, as you move forward. Uh, for those who want to follow me or uh, look into the kind of the stuff that I'm doing, LinkedIn's probably your best bet. 
Uh, so I'm most active on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me at Nick Gibson. Um, so Devish has me on, on LinkedIn. So you can find Devish and you can find him and, and share connections if you wish. Uh, that's where I'm most active. I do, you know, sometimes do a little bit on Facebook. I sometimes will do, um, you know, we're doing some deep work on our on our website right now. So I, I, I you know, won't be emphasizing that so much at the moment, but in, in the future, certainly we'll, we'll, ourbetterselves.org will be a great spot for, for things. It's a little bit behind on, on where we are at the moment. So I mostly would push people towards LinkedIn. Uh, connect with me, send me a message. Um, I'm looking to always connect with great change agents out there, uh, whether you're in the Toronto area or not. Um, if I can be supportive, if I can, you know, share articles or share thoughts um, that you're, that uh, are useful for you, then uh, that's that's part of my journey, which is to empower the change agents in in small uh, small ways and big ways, and uh, hopefully that uh, that will be all useful for for those out there. Definitely, thank you so much again, uh, Nick. And I'll also put guys. I'm also going to put a link down of the speaker slam video because I think those uh, six minutes that you spoke were really impactful. So I think our listeners would definitely love to watch that. So I'm going to put that link down as well and the rest of the links. And uh, Nick, thank you again one last time for all the value you imparted on us. Thanks very much, man. I appreciate it. If you like any part of that, please, 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 please leave us a review. It would mean the world to us. And uh, yeah, please let us know your thoughts. Um, how do you think we can improve and continue providing more and more value to our community? Because we're here to serve our community and we want to make sure that you guys have the best time possible um, and really kill it in your self-development journey. Thank you very much.